helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Do you want to see greatness in your life or that of your family, your community, your church? Well, if you said yes to that question, I encourage you to listen to today's show where we're going to be learning about how we can position ourselves for greatness by exploring the story about Paul and his conversion and drawing from the biblical truths we see in the story and applying it to psychological principles and strategies you can do today in your own life so you too can be positioned for greatness. I want to welcome you to today's show. My name is Melissa Waggett and I am the co-host of the Life Transformation Show. If you want to find out more about our ministry or listen to past episodes of this broadcast, I encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546. And we'd be happy to connect with you and answer any questions you may have. If you're our frequent listener, I want to welcome you back to this episode. As I said, we're going to be talking about positioning ourselves for greatness. And for those of our frequent listeners, you know I am not alone to explore this exciting topic today. With me in studio is Michael Hart. He is the director of Elam Counseling Services. He is also a registered psychotherapist. And more importantly, he is just a guy who is excited to share his wealth of knowledge with us each and every week. And this week is no exception. So thank Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me. It's so awesome to join you in studio. Thank you very much, Melissa, and very excited to be here. And I like this show when we focus on a particular passage of Scripture and extrapolate from that the the principles, principles that can help people to advance in life and to improve their relationships. Some of what we're going to be talking about today when we talk about greatness, it's not just about material possessions. It's about having a happier relationship with your spouse. It's about being the best that you can be. And there are some very important lessons that we we can get from this story today that is going to help us to position ourselves so that we can be the best that we can be, the greatest that we can be for God. Because in the story, we have uh, the, the Apostle Paul, how he went from being Saul that persecuted the church to being the Apostle Paul that wrote half of the New Testament. So I think uh, his his impact on humanity, humanity is, is very profound. And it happened because there are certain principles that came to bear in his life that positioned him for that greatness that God had in store for him. And I think God has a plan for each and every one of us. And there is something, if you're listening to this show today, there are some things that you need to do to position yourself to be the best that you can be. And so, like yourself, I love when we look to the Word and begin to look in these stories in with new and fresh eyes. And so, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story we're talking about today, I'm wondering, Michael, if you can let our listeners know where in the Bible we find this, and if you can give a bit of a summary about what this story of Saul in his process of 
conversion and morphing into the Apostle Paul looked like? Well, I'll give a bit of a summary of the story, and I'll also read six verses from chapter 9 of the book of Acts, because I think those six verses are key to what we're going to be talking about today. But let me start with a summary first to say that uh, who Paul was. Paul was uh, this uh, Jewish uh, leader, teacher, rabbi, if you may call it so, who had a very strong feeling of resentment for people who followed Christ in those days. And his mission was to destroy and undermine the Christian church, the early Christian church. And we're told in previous chapter that he consented to the death of Stephen, who was a believer, and that in chapter 9, chapter 9 begins by telling us that Saul was breathing out threats against the disciple and wanted to, to kill those people who who called on the name of Christ, who, who believed in Christ. And so when we come to verse 3, which is the first verse I will read from chapter 9, we see Saul being this man who is on a mission to destroy the, the early church, to stop the movement because it was against what he believed. In other words, he, he had a, a, an idea in his mind, a strong conviction in his mind as to what religion should be, and the Christian church did not fit that. So I am likening that, I am drawing a, a, a a comparison between many of us who are on a certain pathway in life. And we might be very zealous for that pathway, and we are going along this pathway, and there might be certain things that are coming along our way that might be calling us to go in another direction, but we cannot see those things because of how how determined we are to go after our own goals and our own initiative. And so in this story, we see that there was a change that happened where, where as we read from verse 3, that he's on this journey. So let me read verse 3. And he journeyed and he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me. And I'll skip down to verse 8 because we know the summer, given the summer there, he was struck with a bright light from heaven and he became blinded. And verse 8 continues, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. In other words, he was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And then I'll jump down to verse 17. So I'll give a little bit of summary between where we stopped and verse 17. So uh, the Lord appeared to a man by the name of Ananias and told Ananias that he was to go to Saul because he had, God has planned to use Saul to further his kingdom. And so Ananias is given this task of appearing to Saul, of going to Saul and to to introduce him to the, the, the Christian church and to, to get him over 
into, into becoming a believer. So you can just imagine how afraid Ananias would be because this is a man that was killing believers. That's just it. So when God says the name of Saul to Ananias, this is not someone he doesn't know. He, he as you said, is, is very fearful. He's very fearful. And so in verse 17, what is interesting in verse 17 is that, and I'll read, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house uh, that is the house where where Saul is. And putting his hand on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest has sent me, and that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So a little bit of a summary there of, of the story of the entire uh, chapter 9 of Acts, the journey of, of Saul setting out to Damascus to persecute the church and ending up in the house, ending up with Ananias, uh, introducing him and and calling him Brother Saul. And I think that's a very that's a very big movement from where he set out in the first part of chapter nine to now being in this house with a, with a believer and being called brother. So from from Saul the murderer to Saul who is now brother to to the, the disciples in the early church. It's a lot of progress in seventeen <laughs> short verses, and so I'm wondering, Michael, what you've been able to draw out um, from this story? Any key signs or maybe some psychological principles that, again, we can apply to our lives today, because this is the thing I know you enjoy so much, is bringing life to the Word and that application that, though this story is many thousands of years old, it still applies and speaks to us today. So, in verse 1 of chapter 9, we are told that Saul was... Uh, in his might and in his power, he's breathing out threats against the disciples, and he's going to the high priest uh, to 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 get to get letters to 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 persecute the church and to prevent them from calling on the name of Christ. And so we go from there to being told in chap in verse four of chapter nine that he fell to the earth. And I think that statement is very, very important because falling to the earth is a sim is symbolic of getting to this place where you are no longer this powerful, mighty individual that can do everything in your strength, but coming to this place of humility where you are now underground, realizing that you're powerless, realizing that you're broken, being overwhelmed. And those things in themselves are not necessarily pleasant things for us to when we when we do encounter them. But sometimes those are the very things that are needed before we can move on to greatness. Because sometimes we need to have that sickness to enter our life, to point us in a new direction. Sometimes we need to have this breakup of a relationship. Sometimes we need to have this disappointment by people who we looked up to before we can get to this place where we can transition to that place of greatness that God wants us to come to. So before Saul could transition from being the persecutor of the church, something that he was very zealous and passionate about, to becoming the the, the apostle 
Paul, he had to come to this place where he's underground, powerless, overwhelmed, broken, before that transition can be made. So if you're listening to my voice today and you're going through something that might make you feel, yes, I can identify with what Saul might have been going through at that time, then you are in a position that could be a turning point for greatness. And it depends on you, first of all, realizing in your mind and how you talk to yourself that this is not necessarily the end. Yes, it might be the end of one thing, but it might be a profound beginning, a significant beginning for a new and better thing. And how can they begin when they make that realization to take those those next steps? Because as you describe those situations and even the story of Paul, often when we're on our face, that is a very uncomfortable and vulnerable position to be in. And so when you realize there's hope within that, how do you begin to transform those things so you you continue to be positioned for greatness? Very very good question, Melissa. And I think the the, the the chapter gives us insight into that as well. Because if we if we look at the, the, the chapter carefully how it is written, we're told that the, the, the bright light that shined from heaven is what blinded Paul. So think about that for a moment. Something that was intended to bring clarity, revelation, to illuminate his path is the very thing that blinded him. And what they say to me from a psychological perspective is that sometimes the very things that we, that God is sending our way to help us and to reveal to us what we need to do, what we need to go is the very thing that we are pushing away and the very thing that we are seen as, as, as a nuisance or are seen as unnecessary. But those things that that we are pushing away and that is uncomfortable for us could be the very thing that are signaling to us that we need to go in a new direction. So the light, the, the psalmist talks about the, the, the God word being a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Shekinah glory is that which led the children out through the, through the wilderness. But that same light is blinding the Apostle Paul. And I think it speaks as, uh, it speaks to a heart condition in which his heart is, is so turned in such a way that something that was meant to reveal to him and to illuminate his path is the very thing that is making him blind. And I think there is a very, there is very deep significance in that. And I want us, those of you who are listening to think about that thing that you might be pushing away. That thing might be causing you to be upset. That thing that you might be seen as a disadvantage. Be careful how you push that thing away. Be careful because that very thing could be what is sent to direct you in another in another direction and to position you for greatness. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. This week, we are talking about positioning yourself for greatness. If you've missed the first half of the show, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll-free at one 844 
888-346-3546 and we'd be happy to connect you with a copy of today's show. Just a little bit more about uh, as we talk about this light that's shining from heaven. Now there is a recurring theme in Greek mythology where heroes and gods use light to blind and to overcome their enemies. For example, we see Zeus uh, using light, a flash of lightning to blind the, the Titanomachis as a way of quelling the rebellion against the Olympians in Greek mythology. And so we, we think about it position in this, in this Greek culture where there's something the author is telling us in this story as well that is familiar to the, to the, to the readers where you have, you have Saul being positioned as the enemy of Christ. The thing that the, the monster that is trying to, to stop the mighty work that God is about to do. And like in Greek mythology, where there is this recurring theme of blindness being used by gods and heroes, uh, we are seeing this in, in the biblical story as well. Maybe it's something that God thinks people could identify with in those days. And so this light from heaven blinds Paul as a way of saying, I am God. I am the hero. My work is going to succeed despite your effort to to, to sabotage it. And so there is a sense in which for, for Paul, there is a sovereignty of God that, that, that broke through his resistance to get his will done. But despite that, there still had to be cooperation in his path. And there are times when I think God sent things our way that is meant to, to slow us down and to make us reassess where we are going and to make us look at life from a different perspective. But we are so bent on doing things our way and having things done our way that we, we, we don't pay attention to those signals and we continue on in our blindness. So do you have a way, maybe again, it's hard when, and may this maybe not even make any sense because if you're blind, you're not seeing. However, is there a way or tips you use in your own practice to help people to get to a place where they can discern those roadblocks that may be on their path to see Maybe those are those messages from God I'm missing and a way to kind of tease that out versus just your regular life stuff happening. Yes, yes. So one of the, the things that we know from uh, psychology is that some, the, the, the things that uh, causes people to be depressed and cause them to to develop mental illnesses or to become overwhelmed in life. It's not the thing in themselves, but it's the perspective. So there is an exercise where we, we sometimes help people to see what new meaning can you give to this experience. And it's when people begin to look at things in a different way and to begin to give new meaning to their sickness, new meaning to the challenges that they're going through in life, that they're, they're, horizon begin to expand and they begin to they're they're able to start looking at things in another way. We are we are, we know very well the story of Joseph in the Old Testament we, that in the Old Testament where he went from being sold into slavery by his brothers to becoming a leader in 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 Pharaoh's house. And let me say that his success didn't start when he was in Pharaoh's house. His success started in 
the pit. His success started in slavery. How he viewed his position, his hardship, because your mindset when you're going through things can set you up for this, set you up to feel defeated and useless, or you can give it a new meaning to mean maybe God is trying to show me something here. How can I learn from this? How can I be strengthened from this? What are, what are the things that I can take from this that can make me stronger and wiser as I go into the future? So I think sometimes we miss those messages because we are looking at things in too much of a shallow way. And so what else can we just uh, learn from the story we see of Saul converting to Paul in Acts 9? When we come to verse 17 of Acts 9, we have something very profound, a very profound statement there. Because in that verse, in verse 17, we have Ananias saying to, 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 to Saul, the person who, is, who set out in a mission to go to Damascus to kill Christians, Ananias, even though he, when the, when God told him to go to Saul, he, he was at first reluctant to going. Ananias got to a place where he was able to call him Brother Saul. Now he called him Brother Saul even before he was baptized, even before he was converted. And I think that acceptance, it, is prof- did, did a very deep psychological healing in the heart of Saul. Because here is someone that could be upset with me. Here is someone that could be angry. Here is someone that could take revenge. But he's approaching me with kind words. He's saying, brother. And to me, this speaks of acceptance. And sometimes before we can get to that other level of greatness, before we can position for greatness, we need to surround ourselves with people who look beyond where we are in our current circumstances and see what we can become. And I think Ananias to me is one of the most important uh, persons in the New Testament because he was able to accept Saul even before he became the Apostle Paul. And acceptance is very, very powerful. In one study that was done at Stanford University by Gregory uh, Walton, he said that first-year uh, university students who had encouraging words said to them uh, by their seniors, by senior students who encouraged them uh, that the, 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 the hardship that they're going through in first year, that they're going to get through it and that they, the, the second year will be better. Just encouraging words from their senior students. They said that these students who were encouraged that they did better in their studies, that they fared better health-wise, and that overall, they their sense of well-being and their experience from the university was better just because these students, these older students, uh, spoke words of acceptance over them, encouraging words over them. So I think Ananias' role is very important, and we need to uh, be able to, to, to set ourselves up with people who are going to accept us, people who are not going to shoot down our ideas and call them stupid, but people who can say, even though I don't 
fully understand where this idea is going to take us. I am with you and I will support you. Did you know that the author of The Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jack Canfield, that his book, which has now sold over 500 million, was rejected by 144 publishers? Because these publishers says no one is going to buy a book of short stories. It was a small publisher that decided to accept Jack can feel and say, I, I believe in your work. I'm going to take a risk of publishing your book. And the rest is history. 500 million is, is not a bad, bad number of sales. No, exactly. And I'm actually thinking of book sales too when I think of the life of Paul. And if we circle back and think if Ananias didn't have the bravery to reach out across and call Saul a brother at that moment, would we even have the scriptures in the way they're written today? And we know how many copies the Bible has sold. And it makes me think, who's the the Saul in my pew on a Sunday? And how can I be that Ananias with an arm stretched out as well? And the importance of that. And so for those of us who are leaders, I think this is a very important point as well, that we need to, to, to speak prophetic words over people, because I think in a sense, this brother Saul was prophetic. I think a lot of time we miss that, that Ananias is actually prophesying, because as I said, he was not yet brother. So he's looking into the future. He's seen something with spiritual eyes. He's seen something in the spiritual realm that God is helping him to, him, him to see that this man who is a few hours before was persecuting the church is going to be a brother. And I think we need to believe in people because the words that we speak, the encouraging words can prove to be prophetic. And so one piece you've picked out in the story that I always find interesting when you read scripture sort of front to back is a bit of a time delay between a couple verses. Yes. But that time delay, um, in as you've studied this, you really feel has positioned Saul for the greatness he experienced as Paul. And I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit more about that. Yes, when we come to verse 19 and 20, I think we can read it as if it's happening all at the same time, right? And let me just read those two verses so can the, the listeners can have a, a better understanding of what it is that we are talking about. So verse 19 reads, And when he had reached, when, sorry, and when he had received me, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. So that's the end of verse 19. And then we go to 20, and 20 tells us, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he that he is the Son of God. End of verse 20. So we read those verses and we get like everything is happening the same time in verse 19. He's, he's recovering from this ordeal that you went after falling on the ground and being blinded for three days. And, you know, two days later he's in the synagogue preaching. But let me say that that's not how it worked at all because uh, theologians believe that between verse 19 and 20 there is a three year span in which Saul prepared himself and studied the word and learned everything about about God and and worshiped and grew in in in, in his spiritual beliefs and so another way we position ourselves for greatness is to, not to read these stories of something that happened in quick succession, but to position for greatness, sometimes there is a need for preparation. And preparation might mean sacrifices that you might make. Three years of Saul stepping back, 
preparing before he started preaching in the synagogue. That might be the same number of years to do a degree today. So sometimes positioning for greatness means Going back to school means preparing yourself for that opportunity that God is going to put in your way. And so, uh, but it also means mentorship because when it says that he was with the disciples and, and, and they were giving him meat, these are people who Paul, uh, Saul has now surrounded himself with that is lifting him up. Up, uh, nurturing him and positioning him for this greatness that God has for him. So, if you're listening to my voice today, there is uh, there there is a, a a plan that God has for you. And taking these principles that we have talked about today is a way of positioning yourself for that greatness. Thank you, Michael. I'm inspired as always. If you would like to have more information about this particular episode, if a question you would like to ask, uh, please go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com and uh, contact us either by phone or by email. Our, our phone is one 544 3546 Please remember also that this is a non-profit organization and that you can support this show by donating to our podcast at our crowdfunding platform on patreon.com slash elim counseling. You can also support us by uh, liking our videos on on YouTube. We now have the, the podcast up, the podcast of the shows up on YouTube as well. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services. And Melissa Waggett. Praying together that God would bless you in all your relationships and to keep you sound in mind and pure in heart.